Hello, Lion Click Nation. This is Ray DeLucci with the Lion Click Thoughts Podcast. Hope everyone is doing well and staying safe. Welcome back to another episode. Before we begin, just a friendly reminder that I put out a newsletter every Monday. It's called the Prepless Items Newsletter, and it goes out to everyone that's subscribed. To subscribe to it, you can go to lionclickthoughts.com and enter your email. I send out info that I've collected over the last four years of doing this brand, uh, articles, uh, advice, tools, anything you can imagine. I put it into this newsletter. It's about a two-minute read to start your week off with some education and just some um, more information, I, I guess, that is relevant to those in the food industry. And it's not always about food. Like I just highlighted a book about sleep and why it's essential. So go check out the newsletter. Go subscribe at longcookthoughts.com to get that weekly, every Monday, the Prepless Items newsletter. Also, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please leave a review. All I'm looking for is an honest review. It helps me grow the podcast and helps me get better as a podcaster. So please leave a review. Also, I want to do apologize. I am a little nasally today uh, with my sinus pressure going on. But all that to say, I'm very excited for this interview. My guest today is Andre Natera. And I'm very excited to have him on because I'm doing a couple of small 30-minute interviews with people that are interested in using AI. Uh, I really think that 2023 is going to be a huge year for AI and food, and I don't think I'm the only one that's saying that. I don't even think that's that really uh, like impressive to say. I think that's been well established. And I was looking online for people to talk to about using AI, and Chef Andre came up as someone to talk to. And so I'm going to give you his bio, and then I'll go into what the episode's about. So with a 27-year culinary career, Andre Natera has cooked with Michelin-starred chefs and received numerous awards from Dallas and Austin Media. Most recently, the culinary director and executive chef of Forbes Travel Guide's largest four-star hotel in the world, Fairmont Austin, where he oversaw the culinary program, including the only four-star restaurant in Austin, Texas, rated by the Forbes Travel Guide. He now devotes himself to mentoring the next generation of culinary leaders through his work with Chef's PSA. Andre makes his expertise accessible through the popular podcast, Chef's PSA, and also the host of Run the Past in the online class, Leading Like an Executive Chef. His Chef's PSA book series is designed to be comically helpful for new cooks and chefs in the kitchen who may not know the ins and outs just yet. Natera has worked with and been a member of prestigious organizations such as the James Beard Foundation Awards Committee, Mentor BKB, Texas Food and Wine Alliance, and the Epicurean World Master Chef Society. And I'm really excited to have him on. I'm going to link all of his uh, his podcasts, social media handles, books, all those great things down in the description of this episode. And basically what we get into is his work writing recipes with the popular AI application ChatGPT. I found it very fascinating. Not only Chef Andre's use of the uh, AI system to write recipes, but kind of some predictions that I don't think many people are talking about in regards to food and labor and AI and everything in between. I really think this is a beneficial episode. I love Chef's take on a bunch of different things regarding AI in this episode, and I think you'll take a lot out of it. And like I said, 2023 is going to be a huge year for AI and food, and I know it can be kind of scary and I know it can be a little unsettling, but I really do think it's better to be educated on this stuff than to ignore it until it's too late. So Thank you, Chef, for coming on the show. Thank you all for listening, and here we go. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. How 
Awesome. All right, Chef, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me a little bit. If you start by introducing yourself and kind of what you do, that'd be great. Yeah, uh, my name is Andre Natera. So uh, I was a chef for 27 years. I was an executive chef for, uh, I don't know, I think 17 of those 27 years. And uh, I've recently stepped away and I retired at the beginning of 2022. And, uh, you know, I've shifted my focus to, I guess, being a content creator is probably the, the right word. Chef's PSA, so that's a podcast, that's a social social channels. Um, I've written a few books, and I have a, a chef consulting mentoring service that, that I offer. So my, my focus right now is just giving back to the community, um, all the knowledge that I've accumulated over my career, trying to give it back to young chefs and cooks that are, you know, hopefully I could at least get them to the level where I was at. Awesome. And I'll be sure to link all that in the show description. So we'll get all that set up for everyone listening and you can go down and check it out. Perfect. So as you know, Chef, I'm having you on because I'm doing this episode based on AI. I have a couple different people coming on the show. And what I really enjoyed about your content and how I kind of learned of you is when I was said I wanted to do the show, a lot of people pointed out that you had done some content around using the chat GPT um, website to basically do some recipe work. So I'd like to start off by, if you could do a brief uh, description of ChatGPT, and then we'll get into the questions, but a brief description on kind of your access to it or what you've utilized it for. So ChatGPT is, um, it's a, it's like a conversation-based AI software. It's, it's open, it's free, anyone could use it. Just go to openai.com, I think it's openai.com, and then they have their ChatGPT. And Basically what it is, is you type in a prompt, you ask it a question and it's just a conversation model. It's going to go back and forth with you based on, on the information that you're giving it. And how I came across it is I wanted to write a recipe book. Um, you know, I was, I was digging through all my old recipe files. Like I said, I'm retired. So I, I found all these old recipes and I thought, well, you know, I could, I, I have no use for them. I should give them away to cooks and chefs that may need them. So I said I would write them and, and format a book. I didn't realize that it, would, it was a much more difficult task than I had originally thought, having to convert recipes. And again, these are you know 25-year-old recipes. So needing to convert them into, in, into a document was just challenging. What I found with ChatGPT is I could give it prompts on how I wanted the recipe to be written, and then it would spit it out relatively quickly. Uh, so it was, it was a fascinating model. I, I was able to write this 100 recipe uh, ebook in three days, maybe a total of 15 hours worth of work, which probably would have taken me, you know, three weeks um, <laughs> if I hadn't used chat GPT. So I definitely see the, the benefits that it, that it offers. Um, it's, it's not an infallible program by any means. There was a lot of errors that I had to correct, but there's a lot of value in it if people understand how to use it. Yeah, I think it's interesting, you know, when I saw you working on it, obviously it released in within the last few months, but AI as a whole has been like this boogeyman for the food industry and for a lot of industries, to be fair, and for good reason, you know, a lot of worry about worker displacement and uh, how it's going to affect the end uh, consumer and how it's going to affect the end product of the food industry in its entirety. What in you made you, I mean, did you have, when you first heard about this, was there any alarm bells going off in your head or like, what was the point for you where it's like, yeah, I'm just going to give this a try. Did you have any hesitation, I guess, is what I'm asking. You, you know, it was all over Twitter. And I, I kept seeing everyone talking about it on Twitter. And, I, you know, of all the social media platforms, Twitter for me is the most 
fun and entertaining. So I spent a lot of time on there. I was reading the tweets and everyone was talking about chat GPT. I said, well, I'll give it a try. I didn't know anything about it, um, but I was seeing how other people were using it. And then I just decided to give it a try. I was fascinated by it. And I think like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit older. So I saw the introduction of when Google came in for chefs mm -hmm. and the era before that, we would all go to the library or we'd all go to Barnes and Noble and we'd look at the books. And then when Google came in, it shortened our research. And so, you know, the point that I would bring up here from a culinary perspective in, I would say before Google, the time that it would take someone to go from cook to executive chef could have been anywhere from on average 10 to 20 years. It was, it was about the average time that it would take someone to go from cook to executive chef in the post Google world. I would say it could take someone anywhere from five to 10 years to go to the head chef position. So having access to information just sped up people's uh, learning curve much quickly. Now I see the same thing happening with uh, AI chat GPT, you know, specifically that it's going to speed up people's learning curve um, just like Google did for everyone. So this allows people to spend more time in the kitchen is the way I look at it. I, I see the possibilities with it. Um, of course, there's some, there's some downside to it, but right now I'm seeing the possibilities. If, if I was still a chef in a, wherever I happen to be, I would, I would be, my mind would be racing with all the things I could do with it to make me more efficient in my kitchen and restaurant. Yeah, no, and I'll go into a little, an example I had that doesn't relate to food, but you kind of sparked something that I just recognized. Uh, so for this, I was trying out the software and for the longest time, Bitcoin mining, like the mining of Bitcoin, mm -hmm. I didn't understand it. So I was, it was like chat GPT. I know I put it in the, the prompt, explain to me Bitcoin mining as if I was a fifth grader and it broke it down mm -hmm. at that level. And then I was able to ask questions based on that. And I finally understood what Bitcoin mining was. Well, I could have Google searched that. Every time I did, I don't know, there was like this barrier for me of like, there's different articles and it wasn't really, there was like some friction still, even though I had like all this internet access. And what this did was it directly gave me that information. So I agree that there's like this distillation of information that's being given to you. So I do find it fascinating how much it can pull, what it can pull and how clear it can present it to you. Now, obviously, is that information correct? Who's controlling all that is a different topic. That's something that we all always have to be aware of. But if it's being pulled off the internet and it's going to reputable sources, it's a very valuable piece of uh, technology to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And I can tell you when I was going through it, there was plenty of errors that I would have to look at it and I'd have to correct. So when I was giving it prompts to write recipes for me, for example, I would say, I would have to be very specific. I'd say, give me a recipe for this, include these ingredients. So whatever my recipe have, I would just say, make sure it has you know lemons and thyme and parsley, whatever the case may be. Can you give an say, example sure of a written. recipe that you like writ, wrote, that you wrote? Yeah. So for example, let's just say I was saying, um, give me a recipe for, Mushroom butter, just mm -hmm. for, the, for the sake of conversation. I think I had a truffle butter recipe in there. And I would say it needs to include the following ingredients. Truffle juice, truffle peelings, butter, salt, pepper, and uh, maybe that's it. And I would say must include these ingredients. And I'd list them out. And I would say must yield one kilo. The ingredients must be listed in the order in which they appear in the method. That way, I, I hate when recipes are written out of order and you have to go back and see what it was. So I said, list the ingredients in the, in, the, in the order in which they appear in the method. I said, make the method very simple to understand one sentence. 
yield, I'm sorry, the weights must be in grams and kilograms only. So I didn't want to see cups and spoons and ounces and things like that. So I wanted everything to be done by weight. And then lastly, I said abbreviate grams and kilos as G or KG. Okay. So I don't want the word grams to be written out. And boom, it would spit it out. Um, pretty accurate. But then I'd have to go back and you know, there was odd things in there like um, equal amount of truffles to butter. Probably wasn't a, a, a good recipe. So I'd have to go back and look at it. Um, and again, I was scaling recipes as a chef. So I might have had a recipe that yielded 30 gallons or something like that in a big production kitchen. So I need to scale everything down. And I would look at it and it's, and it's hard to go through the math. And I'd be like, uh, it looks about right. So some of the recipes, and I have a disclaimer. So for people that do download the, the, the recipe ebook, I have disclaimers on there that this was written with AI and I've gone through it, you know, done like a quick visual assessment. I've used my chef instincts to think it looks about right. But at the end of the day, if it seems wrong, use, use your chef instincts before you call me up and, and say the recipe is wrong. You didn't, you didn't check them. I, I deliberately explained that I did not make all these recipes 100% to verify for accuracy. Awesome. No, it's very interesting that you say that. So I was going to ask you about some failure points, obviously ingredient amounts and ingredient ratios. Were there any other failure points in recipe making that you noticed that were kind of glaring? Um, I, I would say it's, it's just the ratios was probably the, the biggest thing. The other thing I'll say this is I would say, like it would give me the recipe and I would say, take this out. So for example, let's say the truffle butter recipe again, and let's say it had thyme in there and I didn't want fresh thyme in there. I said, take the thyme out. It'll spit out a new recipe, but it might've removed the thyme, but it also might've removed the truffle juice also. So it, it sometimes would remove things that I didn't want removed. Um, so I would have to be very specific and I'd say, okay, no, add the truffle juice back in. Um, and I'm not sure if it's because it's pulling recipes from, you know, all over the internet. So it just looks for another uh, truffle butter recipe with, um, with that in it. So eventually I got to the point where I would list out all the ingredients. I would just type them in and say, must include these mm -hmm. um, and try and get it as close to, as close to my recipe as possible. And it's, and again, it's much faster uh, to copy paste and just change a couple of ingredients because you're just copying the prompt over and over again. And like I said, once you get the hang of it, it's very fast. What is the, so obviously there's a lot of utility in it. What was the point where it kind of blew your mind? Was there a certain prompt you gave it where it was like, holy shit, this is like insane what this is doing? Uh, it wasn't with the recipes. It was with something else. So um, I like to write. Mm -hmm. And I, I asked it to write a book. Um, it has nothing to do with cooking, but I'll tell you an example of how I used it to, to write a, a cooking book. I like to write. And there's a book that I love that's, called, that's titled The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. And I said, write me laws 49 through 55 in the style of Robert Greene and write it as if Robert Greene himself wrote it. Okay. And it came up with the next, uh, the next few laws. And it was written just like if it fit right in the book. And I, would, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference if it was in the book or if it was written by AI. And it was spectacular. So, you know, I had an idea and I said, write me a story about a chef. Write me a story about a chef that has taken over a kitchen using Machiavellian tactics and has maintained power in that kitchen using Machiavellian tactics and write it in the style of Niccolo Machiavelli. And it spit out, uh, it spit out a story for me and it was incredible. And it talked about how this chef came to power and did these sneaky things to maintain power. And I was like, yeah, I was, I was wrapped up in the story and I was like, wow, 
it was able to spit that out in, in a couple of seconds. And that started to really uh, blow my mind with what it's capable of doing from a, from a language-based model. So it's the best brainstorming partner I have right now. I'll tell you that. Okay. Very interesting. No, it's, it's kind of wild. It's wild how fast it moves too. And I think that's like the big thing. I mean, that's the whole point, right? It's aggregation of information. How do you see this affecting chefs? Oh, I, right now I see it affecting chefs positively. Um, because uh, w- one of the one of the things that really affect a lot of chefs in the industry is you you start to move up the uh, you start to move up the hierarchy and then you get stuck in the office behind a computer writing schedules spreadsheets recipes and things like that. As AI gets more efficient, and right now I don't think we're there yet, but it's it's moving very quickly, and I can see this being a non-issue within a year. Is let's just say you're a chef and you have to write a, a menu for a catering event. And you need to write a prep list for that catering event. And then you need to write your order guide for that catering event. And you also you also need to place the order. Well, you might be able to go into chat GPT and say, write me a menu for this. Um, that yields this many people. Write the prep list and spit out an order guide. And there's, there's a, a little app starting to come out that will work in the background of your computer. So you can say, once that prep list is done, use this app to send it off to the vendor. So what may have taken you five or six hours of office time might only be 30 minutes. So that means more time in the kitchen to make sure that you're doing the things that you need to do, make sure the food is good, working with your team, teaching people, and still having your passion in the kitchen. So I, I think it's going to displace a lot of the office work and make it easier. You know, I think there's some resistance to this, as there, are, there is with all new technologies. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know sometimes I get some some comments saying, you know, They'll never replace, they can't replace your palate. And, and I don't think, I don't think that's the argument. I think what it's going to replace is the time spent behind a computer and the efficiency in which you're able to work on a computer to put you back in the kitchen. So you could be tasting and cooking and doing all the things that you need to do. So I know one of the, one of the challenges that I saw with a lot of chefs coming up is they always wanted to come to me when I was the head chef and say, I want to learn to be a chef too. Can you teach me about ordering and this, that, and the other and I would always advise them, don't worry about that. Worry about being the best cook you could be because that's what's going to carry you throughout your career. The other stuff is relatively easy. Mm-hmm. Once you get, once you know how to cost out a recipe, you, you need to learn it once and then you know it for the rest of your life. Um, and I think that unfortunately a lot of people made the mistake of putting so much emphasis on honing their computer admin skills that, that it might not be necessary in a couple of years when you just when anybody can just go and type a prompt. Uh, in a couple of years, they should have been spending more time in the kitchen learning how to cook. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see. I could be wrong, but that is something that I, I that that's kind of where my mind is going with it. Okay, no, that totally makes sense. Um, yeah, it's interesting, right? You know, I was, one of the prompts for this for this interview is like the positives and the negatives, and I see both sides of the argument. I think right now it's very exciting, and I think that it's something that is a, that is a tool. I mean, I'm using it on uh, ideation and, like you said, brainstorming. It's you know, it's pretty astounding. And I think that there's a middle between, you know, AI being like super beneficial to us and AI taking our jobs away. I think there's a middle ground and some things will be, you know, like some things will be affected by AI, but it's not, it's like the goal isn't to like just automatically displace you, obviously. And so I find it interesting like to see chefs like you who have spent time in the industry. And I mean, you know, I think you can attest to this. There's a lot of times where chefs spend a lot of time in the industry and scoff at new ideas or scoff at new technology and kind of be set in their ways. So 
I find it very interesting that you as a chef who's put, you know, put all this time in the industry is so willing to adapt to this new technology and not see like the all negative of it, but actually see the positive and how it can further your own work and your own development. Yeah, thanks. Uh, like I said, if, if you go back and you notice any chef or any, anybody that really doesn't adopt the technology when it comes out, they, they become obsolete. Like, you know, it, it happens if you, if you don't embrace the new thing, it's, you're going to get left behind. And I think there's a, there's a big opportunity right now with AI. Instead of viewing it as a negative, you could view it as how can it be a, a force multiplier on what you're already doing in your own business to give you more time to do the things that, that you would rather do. I, I do see a potential negative, and I could be wrong, okay. but I don't know if now is a good time to, to bring it up. Um, there, there, I think it will displace a lot of industries, and I think it's naive to think that it won't. It, it, as you read the headlines of all these major tech companies with major with, with layoffs, you can't help but wonder if a lot of that is due to AI, and they're not coming out and saying it. It's just that it's cheaper to they've displaced a lot of these positions with AI. And, I, and I, I'm curious about that. And I've seen this happen before in about uh, the middle 2000s, like 2005 to 2010. So after 9-11, before the big crash in 2008, you started to see a lot of people that worked in finance and other industries leave what they were doing and, and go to culinary. Mm -hmm. You know, they were, they were 10 years into one career and then they'd switch careers and go into something else. And I saw that as a chef. You know, that was kind of the era that I was in my first couple of executive chef jobs. And I started seeing the, you know, the 28-year-old the line cook in his first job or her first job or going to culinary school. I was going to say and, culinary school. I was there 2015, 2018. A lot of my classmates, I would say a lot. I would say 30, 20% were like people that had had a previous career and are switching to cooking. So if you have a lot of career changers because... Because the, the, the reality is the first jobs to get displaced are going to be the ones that are computer-based. The blue-collar work isn't going to be the first. You know, you're still going to need construction workers. You're still going to need cooks. You're still going to need people that do the physical labor. I think that's going to be the last thing that will go. But the first thing that's going to go is most likely going to be the, you know, the, the admin uh, tech-based jobs. So as people leave those jobs and start saying, well, I'm going to pursue my passion in cooking. And let's, you know, this is a... This is a chef podcast, cook podcast. So let's use this as the example. As people leave those industries and go into cooking, it's going to be a very interesting thing to happen. And I'm going to be curious to see how it plays out because I don't know. But when that happened in the mid, uh, you know, 2005 to about 2013, what you saw is it was a chef's market. It wasn't a cook's market mm -hmm. because you had a line of people out the door to work for you. And you could, you'd, I'd have a stack of resumes of about 30 resumes for one position. Fast forward to the post-COVID world, it's the exact opposite. Um, it's the cook's market. They, they are the one employee applying when there's 20 positions open in a restaurant. So they could come in and say, I want this amount of money. I want these days off. And chefs are willing to compromise because they have nothing to bargain with. Yeah. Now, if that flips, one of the big issues that we have, and this is a big topic, and I don't know the answer to this, so I, I'm going to be reluctant to go too deep into it. But one of the big issues that we have in the industry is the pay gap between entry-level cooks, right? So you have, a, you have a big issue with entry-level cooks. Now, the pay, the pay of entry-level cooks before COVID has probably increased about five, $6 or more post-COVID mm -hmm. because of the limited number of cooks. So there's been a massive increase in the hourly rate of an entry-level cook pretty much across the country, probably across the world. Now, what's going to happen 
when you're saturated with cooks again, most likely is you're going to see stagnation in that. And then you're going to start to see chefs, restaurateurs, restaurant owners get all that power that they have lost back and say, oh, now you can't have those days off anymore. Oh, now we're lowering. The, now we now it's our chance to, to play this game. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I do see that as if people aren't thinking about that as a potential problem down the road, um, I, I think they, they should at least consider that it might be something that they may be facing in, in about a year or two based on how AI plays out. It's actually interesting you bring this up because one of my next podcasts, smaller point was going to be, I was looking, I think it was CBS that put it out, the top recession-proof jobs. And like the top one was waiter or waitress. And it's like that service, hospitality, labor sector. And then I think Cook was a little bit farther down. But it's, you know, like you're saying, like it still definitely is a close market. It's, it's crazy to think like in a recession, like, you know, it, it's that old fallacy. I say fallacy now because of COVID where it's like everyone, like everyone always needs to eat. Like as long as your business is operating, you need, you know, you need staff members. And so obviously right now it really still is a cook's market, even though it seems like we're going into a minor recession. I'm not sure how worse it will get. And obviously minor relative to what's been before and not anyone's specific situation. But yeah, I mean, I find it very interesting too that like, you know, the service industry has always been the industry that kind of catches people that are looking, you know, and maybe they do it for a year or two and while they're trying to get back on their feet to go to somewhere else. So that is a good point. And it's something that I don't know that a lot of people are, I mean, I haven't heard many people talk about it, but it was interesting to read that yesterday. Like I literally read it yesterday before it's like talking about that. I was like, huh, if a recession hits, and this is like, and people are seeing this is like the recession-proof job. I mean, it's something for a lot of people to do. So I definitely do agree with you that, that could be a possibility. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen a couple of cycles. Um, you know, in my career as a chef, where it's a it's a cook's market, then it's a chef's market, then it's a cook's market, and then it's a chef's market. And I think uh, right now we're we're at the peak of the cook's market, and, and you can see it. You know, based on what people are making, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, discussion around wages and things like that, there's a lot of attention and awareness built on it. But I, I think I think that changes when the dynamic changes of who's available to cook. So it'll it'll be really interesting to see what happens. And, I'm, and I don't have an answer and I don't have, um, you know, you know I, I don't have, I'm, I'm not a chef anymore. So mm -hmm. I don't own a restaurant, I don't run a kitchen. Um, and my business right now is to help chefs and cooks. So I I'm a cheerleader for both. I'm a cheerleader for chefs and I'm a cheerleader for cooks. I want everyone to win. But I, I, I do think that it could be a potential problem. And I think people need to uh, prepare themselves either way. If you're a cook, you need to prepare. And if you're a chef, you need to prepare as well. I've been thinking about, and I, I said this to, I had a podcast recently with Justin Connor, who's another creator in the space. And we were talking about AI a little bit. And I sat down and I kind of brainstormed, like, what would the worst case scenario for someone who works as a cook in restaurants be in regards to AI. And I think the thing that would be maybe worst case scenario for a cook would be a restaurant where a customer could go in and they could, you know, let's say, let's say they go in and to, and to order, you're ordering through like a chat GPT, obviously a software that can then relay food being made in an automated setting. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you go into a restaurant today, your, your borders, your borders of ordering are within that menu and within what the chef knows, but a restaurant run by AI, the, opportunities are endless and so i think like the worst case scenario would be a restaurant that operates off of an ai model where everything's automated like all the cooking processes model uh, automated you just go up to a, a screen or a digital display and order 
and you can put whatever in you want, you know, an omakase tasting, um, a McDonald's McFlurry, uh, grandma's bolognese with homemade fettuccine, like the list goes on and it would have the ability to do that. And I say this only to say that like the brain power of that is there, but the functionality and automation isn't. And so I don't know, it's just like kind of, I think for me and why I feel like this is important to talk about is not only because we're not going to, like you said, we're not going to stop artificial intelligence. We're not going to stop the way this is going, but we can guide it in certain ways so that the worst case scenario doesn't happen. And we can prove out that actually being integrated with AI is more valuable than having a fully automated dining um, industry that really is just like pumping out food and that's it. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you think that, I mean, would that work? Was what do you, I guess, what are your thoughts on this fully automated restaurant idea? It doesn't seem far-fetched to me. No, it doesn't seem far-fetched. I, I read an article that, uh, I want to say there's the first fully robotic McDonald's, I think, mm-hmm. exists, where, where, you know, the cooks are now robots. And I know there's um, a lot of advances in robotics. However, I think that, I think that there's some things that could be potential challenges with the robots initially because they cannot taste. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference between salt and sugar? Can the robot can the robot see that? Can the robot see the difference between MSG, kosher salt, sugar, uh, flour, AP flour? Like there, there's a lot of different things that the robot might not be able to pick up on. So I see displacement initially probably in the fast food section of dining. Right, flip the burger, put the pickles, whatever, bun, cheese, salad. But I think once you have to have a component of taste it and adjust the seasoning, the tomatoes aren't perfect. So add a little bit of this. It needs more acid. It needs more of this. Once you have to include that, I think, I think it's going to be much more difficult. At least I think it'll be much more difficult to displace the chef. That's number one. Number two is I, I think that us as human beings – will want to see the show still. And the show is the chef and the restaurant and the creator. And I think that, I think there will be an uprising. I think there'll be some resistance as there is with all new technologies. And I think people will say, I don't support AI run restaurants. I think there's going to be a section of people that say that if if a robot's cooking my food, I don't want to eat it because I'm pro-human. So I also see that being a part of the conversation where I, I think the biggest area that's going to be affected is going to be the fast casual uh, fast food, McDonald's, things like that. I think they'll be the first ones to embrace AI and robotics. Um, and I see the very last ones to go is going to be the ones where uh, the creative chefs, the creators, the people that want to, the one people are still going to have the um, the urge to be creative in all endeavors of life, whether that's art, whether that's cooking, whatever that may be. And I think AI won't be able to scratch that itch. And I think people will still want to do that. So I could be wrong, but I think that'll be the last, the last thing to go if it goes at all. Yeah. Well, I, you know, appreciate you going down that rabbit hole with me um, and kind of talking about that. I would say like, I guess my last question for you, obviously we're coming up on our half hour mark. Um, Yeah. Idea for these episodes is like 30 minutes to go into it with different people that have been using it. So I guess my last thing is if you're, if you were to start over in the, I guess it's more of an advice question. If you were to give advice to someone starting cooking right now who has access to ChatGPT, which is free, I know they put in a paid version, and I know sometimes it's crashing, but overall, I think it's pretty accessible still. So if you were to give any advice on how a cook should be uh, learning, operating, or going about their first few years of their career, now having access to AI, 
how would you guide them or what would, what are some pillars you would kind of give them in regards to AI and learning in the real world? I would say learn how to ask good questions. Um, if you ask really good questions to the AI, you'll get really interesting answers. So I think part of it is understanding how to ask good questions and that will translate in the kitchen because if you could ask good questions to your chef, or you could ask good questions to the AI, you're going to get better answers. One of the things that I struggle with is I get a lot of people that ask me questions all the time with Chef's PSA, but a lot of times they're not good questions or a lot of times they're not questions at all and they're seeking advice, but they don't ask the question. So I'm not sure what to tell them. So I think understanding how to ask good questions will yield um, good answers for you. So if I was on chat GPT right now and if I was a new cook and I didn't know anything, I would say, I would ask questions like, what are some of the best restaurants in this city to work at? What are some of the top restaurants? What are, what are some of the cookbooks that... Uh, every cook should read and it'll, it'll spit out a list of you know, 10 cookbooks. Can you summarize this cookbook? Great summary. What are the most important recipes in that cookbook that every cook should know? What are some of the principles of this type of cuisine that I need to learn? If I was a new cook, what are some of the skills that I would need to look at? So just started to ask questions and then it'll filter out a lot of the things that when you don't know what you don't know, you don't even know where to begin. And so you're going to start on something dumb. So I'll give you an example of what I mean. No offense to any cook out there with what I'm going to say next. But sometimes when you're a new cook, you see the shiny new thing on, on the internet or TV or whatever. And you say, I want to go to chef school because I want to work with alginates, <laughs> right? I want, to, I want to learn how to work with hexametaphosphate or whatever the case may be. And then you get there. It's like, that's not what you should be focused on. You should be focused on learning your basics, your salt, and this, that, and the other. So maybe asking AI, hey, <laughs> I'm really interested in hexametaphosphate. And alginates, should I go to culinary school? And what am I going to learn? It might say, nah, maybe you should focus on your knife skills. Yeah. So AI might be like the gatekeeper of filtering some of the bad questions that you have and getting you on the right track. Or it's a, here's another good thing. And I'll tell you one quick story because I know we're coming up on time. When I was in culinary school and I was 17 years old and I was sitting in the back of the class and there was this kid that raised his hand to ask the chef instructor. And his question was, is meat muscle? And the whole class erupted in laughter. And they all laughed at this guy because he didn't know that meat was muscle. And, uh, you know, I was a dumb kid. And I, and I listened to it. I was like, oh, shit. I would have asked that question because I don't know. I'm 17, right? I'm just out of high school. I don't know anything about cooking. Is meat muscle? Yes, of course it is. But with chat GPT, it might prevent you from asking some of those, some of those, those questions to just quick answers. Like, hey, I need this. What, what is this? What is this? What is that? And you'll be able to... Uh, be 10 times more efficient if you're asking good questions as a young cook. So anyway. Awesome. Well, Chef, thanks for sharing that. Could you, you, you just want to share kind of the books you've read where people can look at them, any, you know, Instagram, Twitter handles, all of that would now be the time to share. So Chef's PSA, chefspsa.com. You can find everything that I do. Um, all social channels are Chef's PSA. So Twitter, uh, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, et cetera. Um, the podcast that I have is called Chef's PSA. And the three books that I've written right now are Culinary Leadership Fundamentals, and that's for new kitchen leaders, basically discussing management principles. The second one I've written is called Line Cook Survival Guide, and that's just best practices for new line cooks if you're just coming into the industry and you don't know where to start. And then the third book is How Not to Be the Biggest Idiot in, biggest idiot in the Kitchen, and that's intended as a joke so people don't take it too serious. Uh, I'm not calling people idiots when they make these mistakes, but it's just basically to teach you. Um, you know, kind of the unwritten rules uh, in most kitchens where people work. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I do. And then the last thing is I wrote 
this AI recipe book. It's for free if people want to download it. Um, the link is in my bio on all my all my social profiles, but it's uh, 100 Kitchen Basics, and it's everything from you know your stocks, your sauces, butters, uh, some spreads, things like that. It's not complete dishes. It's just going to be uh, the basic components that you're going to need for um, you know most operating kitchens. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chef. You're welcome. Good to see you. So there you have it, my interview with Chef Andre Natera. Thank you all for listening. Please go to linecookthoughts.com and subscribe to the email newsletter to get it every Monday, the Prepless Items newsletter. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please leave a review. And once again, go check out all of Chef Andre's links and everything else he's doing in the description down below. Go check out his podcast and check out Chef's PSA on Instagram. It's a great Instagram page with so much great content. Thank you, Chef, for coming on. Thank you all for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and AI in particular, and I'll see you on the next Linecookthoughts podcast. Thank you.